Have you taken a fourth step inventory? If not, have you wondered how to do it? If so, have you wondered about different ways of taking inventory? Welcome to episode 149 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Eva. She used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Eva, for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. My name is Spencer, and I'll be your host today. And today I want to share with you a recording of an AA workshop on working step four. Uh, I found it to be a really clear presentation of the way of working this step following the instructions that are in the AA big book. If you're not familiar with those instructions, you might want to take a moment to read them. The presentation will make more sense if if you've read them. And during the workshop, the presenters refer to worksheets, which they're showing to the attendees. You can find copies of these or similar worksheets on the web. If you Google, for example, AA four-step worksheet, and I put a link to one set of these worksheets in the show notes at therecoveryshow.com slash 149. If you're sitting at your computer listening or if you're not driving and listening on your phone, you might find it useful to pull up the resentments worksheet on your computer or your smartphone and follow along as you're listening. Again, that's at therecoveryshow.com slash 149. So now let's listen to the workshop. Well, welcome to the afternoon session on your favorite topic, the fourth step. Is everybody just thrilled about that? Okay, um, it's a beautiful day out there. It's just gorgeous around here. Um, But um, we'll talk a little bit about inventory and the fourth step. The big book handles it really well. It says, though our decision talking about the third step was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. And here's where it talks about liquor being a symptom but it's only a symptom of our problem. And it talks about getting rid of the things that are blocking us. My own personal experience is I hear a lot in Alcoholics Anonymous about people writing inventory to find out about who they really are. I don't think that's true in my case. I think what we write inventory about is to find the lie that I'm living my life by, the lie that's going on in my life so that I can, God can remove this stuff and I can get closer to being the kind of man God wants me to be because it's just so lost. So anyway, it says here, therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. So then it tells me in here that uh, reasons why I should take an inventory, and it tells me resentment's the number one offender, and there are three parts to inventory. There's resentment. There's fear, and there's sex, right? Why do you think it's those three things? Those are why we drink. Manifestations of self. 
That's what it's all about. And so um, <clears throat> you've got these three parts of inventory, and I come from a group that that believes in writing regular inventories. We don't write one inventory and then move on and life's good and live in nirvana for the rest of our lives. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you my experience with, with writing inventory and exactly how I write inventory. And then Dave can share some of that, of how he does it. And then if you guys want to pick up any of the things that we're talking about, um, please do. Uh, the book has sort of a, an example here, and my sponsor was a inventory guy who he had a he had a, a knack for for getting keeping this stuff fresh. And one of the things I learned many years ago, which is we got to keep this stuff fresh, uh, even ten and eleven. If it's not fun, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do what I don't want to do very long. Trust me. Um, it, prayer and meditation for me, I keep it, I keep it new. I keep it different. I do it. I do it every day, but uh, I have to keep it up. So, inventory. Um, just a couple things about inventory for those of you that are new and have never written an inventory before. Uh, it's not really about doing it perfectly. It's about finding out what the things are that are blocking me. I personally always get a little edgy when I'm writing inventory. Because what am I doing when I'm writing inventory? I'm focusing in this way, right? So the first part of inventory is the resentment portion. The big book says this is the number one offender. Kills more alcoholics than anything else. Resentment. It also starts... Most new groups, it, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it does a lot of things, all right? Um, but we cannot carry resentment out. And it says in, in the book, and I'm not going to read it all the way through, so you're going to have to trust that it's in here. But it talks about that we write inventory on people, principles, and institutions, right? So people is sort of easy. I don't like Dave because he snubbed me at over here. Or Raider fan. Uh, yeah, that's a true statement. I don't like Dave because he's a Raider fan. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a Bronco fan. Um, all right? So that's fairly easy to figure out. What are a principle? Like, what's the definition of a principle? Yeah. A self-defeating belief system. Exactly. This is where we write belief system inventory. What is belief system inventory? Belief system inventory are the beliefs that I carry around in my head that don't work anymore. Okay? Give me a couple ideas of some belief systems. I don't deserve the finer things in life. Exactly. i got to be cool. Exactly. Yeah. I'll tell you a good place to start if you can't come up with some. <laughs> start with, if you're a man, a man should be. If you're a woman, a woman should be, right? These are belief systems that I live my life by. And I, I brought this up before that, that uh, um, my first few years of sobriety, five people I'd be writing inventory about, but it was always the same thing that they did to me, right? 
And so what I had to do is get down to the cause and the condition of what was pissing me off about all this stuff, right? And that's belief systems. So I got people, I got principles, now I got institutions. Institutions, IRS, credit card companies, computer companies, um, give me some more ideas. United States Army. Exactly. <laughs> Work. Legal system. Work. Work. I like the Army. Either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we write inventory on these things, all right? So what I have my people do is the first thing I do is I have them write out a grudge list. And basically a grudge list is really simple. A grudge list is you put the person, belief system, or institution in the first column, and you write out why you're mad at them. But I make sure that they do not generalize. I don't want to hear, I don't like so-and-so, why? Because he's an arrogant jerk. I mean, that's not specific. We got to get down to some causes and conditions, so it's got to be specific. All right? I don't like so and so. Why? Because he snubs me. Whatever that may be. When we get done writing the grudge list, then I have them transpose this from one piece of paper to another. Same thing. First column, second column. You know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about columns? I mean, those of you that are doing it understand, but is there anybody that doesn't understand what I'm talking about when I say columns? No? Okay, good. So you take your first and second column, which you've already done in your grudge list, and now you, got, you get to go to work, and you put it in a form. And my form, actually, is there an eraser here, or is it? <coughs> uh, napkin, probably. Yeah, that's all right. Under the podium. That's all right. Under the podium. Under the podium. All right, so I'm going to put up the name on my page. I'm going to put... You can erase the numbers up there, Mike, if you need more. Okay. I'm going to put the cause. And on every single page of my inventory... Can you give me a napkin or somebody? No, here's one. Here. Whoa, right here. Um, all right. Up here, I always write a prayer. Why do I write a prayer? I agree. Here's my belief. My belief is there is no amen at the end of the third step prayer, right? Where's the amen placed? I'm in prayer when I'm writing inventory. This is a prayer. Right? So, what I do, and I'm not very good at this, but, okay, I have the name. I'm going to do this one. Why? Because he's a Raider fan and he texts me every time they beat the Broncos. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a long time. <laughs> Especially since we got Peyton, right? Okay. So I write this up. Now I am going to do a third column. And what my sponsor used to have us do is draw a line, draw another line, and this is my third column, and here's my fourth column. All right? Now in Denver, there's a big fight going on about there's no such thing as a fourth column inventory. It's a stupid fight. Huh? It's just a stupid fight. I am a big believer in four-column inventory. 
I mean, because why would you write this without seeing where you're at fault, right? Okay, third column. The big book says that we ask ourselves, how did this affect certain things in my life, right? So, how does it affect my self-esteem? SE is what I put down, self-esteem. What is self-esteem? Who do you think you are in that situation? Right? Let's take another example. Anybody got a problem with anybody at work? <laughs> okay. Who are, you, who are you mad at at your job? You want their name? Just first name. Uh, Make up one. I don't care if they're Fred. in the room. Fred. <laughs> Fred? Why are you mad at Fred? Fred is not performing his job the way I would like him to. Are you his boss? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. What's his self-esteem? The best. Oh, the, the best employee ever. Best. Right? Best employee. Love you, Self-esteem again. I know better than anybody else. Right? See what I'm saying? Do you, couldn't you have a dual self-esteem going on? Like, I'm the best employee, and at the same time, I'm the worst employee? Yeah. You can really get caught into that one. I'll tell you where I found it was the first time um, when I was writing on my marriage, when I was married, is <laughs> I could be, I'm the best husband, and then all of a sudden I started getting real, oh, I'm a really horrible husband. So I got both those things going on all at the same time. So you can have numerous self-esteems, right? Estimation of self. Who do you think I am? All right? Now, next thing is PR, is how does this resentment affect my personal relations? Right? Here's how we do it, or I do it. I have a PR1. I know Bob doesn't do it this way. I do it this way. <laughs> and we have a PR2, and here's the difference. PR1 is how does this resentment affect my relation with Dave? How, how does that resentment about Fred not doing his job affect your relationship with Fred? Oh, I become angry at Fred. Um... You think he knows you don't like him? Okay, all right. But how does this affect my relationship with Dave? Now, I love Dave, but let's just say I quit talking to Dave because he's a Raider fan, right? So I would put that under personal relations one. Personal relations two is how does it affect my personal relations with everybody else? You see why i got to look at that? That's what I do. Some people lump them. Bob lumps them. I don't. I spell it out a little bit more. Because, for instance, let's just say Brandon's my boss and he pisses me off, right? And I'm married to you and I come home and I walk in the door and you say, hi, honey. And I go, what the, you know, and I get all pissed <laughs> off at you, right? Quit talking to me. We get in a fight. Why? Because he pissed me off, right? <laughs> so... How does it affect my relations with everybody else? 
Then comes SR sex relations. I do SR1 and SR2. If this is a woman, I always put in there, how does it affect my sex relations with her, if there is? If there isn't, I leave it alone. How does it affect my sex relations with anybody else and everybody else? And you can get pretty specific in here. All right? I had, in my own inventories, a female boss for a while back in the commercial <coughs> real estate days who she liked making it much harder on men because, in my estimation, there were very few women in commercial real estate. So she really liked to hammer us, right? And I had to put in my inventory when I wrote on her about my belief systems with regards to women bosses. And it changed my whole outlook and attitude about all kinds of things. She was actually very right, by the way. <coughs> What's next? Ambition. Ambition. What's ambition? What I want to happen. What you want to happen in this situation. I want Dave to realize that Peyton Manning <coughs> walks on water. <laughs> and that he should become a Bronco fan, right? Don't mention the Super Bowl. <laughs> we now have a defense. All right? So I got sex relation, ambition. What did I say earlier? Drunks live to be what? Secure. Secure. How does it affect my security? I write it out. Okay? And I start to see just how self-absorbed I really am and how every little thing that pisses me off has to do with me. That stuff that you read about, about if there's something wrong in me, that something's going on out here, it's always in me. It's really not in them. I am a firm believer that it isn't what I go through, it's how I choose to react to it. I'm a firm believer. I'm a human being at the same time. But... You cannot really harm me, right? You really can't harm me unless I allow it in my head. And then last but not least, pocketbook. I'm really bad at that. Okay. So I get all of this down on paper. So give me some ideas. Is there anybody that writes personal relations differently? Well, we've written personal relationships about uh, the gender. If I'm writing a piece of resentment inventory about a man and I get the personal relationships, um, they might be my deep-seated belief about how a man should show up in this relationship. And then with sex relations, it's going to be the opposite sex. That's one way. I've written, I've written it multiple ways. I've seen different things with it. Good. That's good stuff. Anybody else want to bring up anything? I do a lot of writing my feelings out. Do you? Well, I see a lot of how selfish I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's okay. You can do that, too. Add that in. Do you not do pride? Haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> but what is pride? How others, how you, I want others to see me. Right. Yeah. So that's, we. I do that in the fourth column. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I read out all this stuff, self-esteem. I think I'm the best at this, for instance, all right? 
Personal relationships. How does it affect my personal relations? Well, I quit talking to the guy. Or how does it affect my personal relations with others? Well, I blew up at so-and-so because this person got me pissed. Sex relations. How does it affect my sex relations with Dave? Well, it, it doesn't. <laughs> All right? It's not my type. Still going good. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little rough. Rough sex. Hold on. <laughs> Dave, what'd you say? Like Brokeback Mountain style. <laughs> I was doing it. I was uh, helping a sponsor do some inventory at once, and he had a um, he had a real bad inferiority complex when it came to women, and he had a similar situation with his. Um, he had a very domineering mother growing up. And it was almost like uh, uh, Joan Crawford. Kind of like mommy dearest thing, you know. Everything had to be perfect, and, and so he always was catering to. And he had a situation with his sibling, you know, a sister, where it broke his it broke his spirit so badly that he would come home and take it out on his on his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And it was like this. He didn't see that there was a sex relation issue with it, and I helped him. Wait, hold on. Let's let's look at this. You know, it's like you're. Your girlfriend's paying the price for your sister's actions, mm -hmm. you know, because he would come home and he would be indifferent, or he would be, uh, you know, the difference between making love and having sex, you know, and it was like he couldn't be intimate in that moment. It was a very physical action for him, mm -hmm. and so I could see how like frustration with Dave might take it home and take it out on your significant other, mm -hmm. and that could be a situation like that. It's like you know, I'm so pissed off at the fact that my team lost and so and so's rubbing it in my face. Is, mm -hmm. You know, as like as you said, though it hasn't happened for a number of years. You know, but but if I see something like that catapult where I may never have thought thought to look at it in this area. Right. You know, and be able to take it and have it affect other areas of my life. I've never been and been asleep to that. Right. Right. No, absolutely true. You see, this stuff. I've had people who have gone through the steps with me, and they go, "I had no idea how to do so much writing." Mm. Okay. But when they get done with it, they really and truly start to see what's blocking them from having a good life. They really and truly do. They start to see what's blocking them from God and where their dependencies really and truly are. Now, once I get all that down, and I have written on every person, institution, which are belief systems, and in people, then I come over here and I do a fourth column. All right. What goes in the fourth column? Fear, dishonesty, selfishness, self-seeking. Where am I being selfish? Right? What is selfish? Selfish is... I have it. You're not getting it. Any of you ever have used the silent treatment with a significant other? <laughs> <laughs> ever? Today? <laughs> In the last ten minutes? <laughs> That's selfish. Withdrawing affection. Withdrawing myself. is Because I'm not getting my way. For Big Frank, you say drunks throw temper tantrums. That's what we do. All right. Dishonest. <clears throat> Where am I being dishonest? 
Give me some examples in your own life of what you've written down under dishonest. Not facing reality. That's a good one. That's a real good one. Thinking That's people are out to get me when they're not. Think the Dolphin should always be the Raiders. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> what else? What about not showing up as who I am? Is that dishonest? In, in his example, if he's being nice to the guy he's working with that he's pissed at, that's dishonest. Can be. Can be. Yeah, absolutely. This isn't about becoming a saint. You know, it's about seeing the truth. Selfish, dishonest, what else? Self-seeking, right? What's self-seeking? Selfish motives. Self-seeking. You've got it, I'm taking it. Yep. What did you say there? What's in it for me? You got it, I'm taking it. You got it, I want it. Right? Where do most of my resentments come from? Expectations. I expect you to be a certain way according to my world. Remember what we read in the book on the third step? That's what I expect. So self-seeking is, you got it, I want it from you. Okay, now fear. This is where pride comes in. This is where I have guys look at how Others perceive them, how they're so afraid. Drunks are notorious for wanting to look good. And it never fails to amaze me because we crawl into the program of alcoholics. <laughs> and then we want to look good to everybody, right? We can't make a mistake. Then I write it out here on fear, okay? Everybody getting an idea of how I do it? Do you want to talk now, or do you want to do belief systems, or what do you want to do? No, just keep going. You're okay. Fine. So, that's how we do it. And uh, that's how the guys that I work with do it. The uh, couple of things I just really wanted to bring up before I turn it over to Dave is belief systems. Do you understand the importance of... Writing on belief systems? I'm so sorry. <laughs> She's thinking, I've got to write another inventory. I was working I was working with a guy and he was a very fragile dude, man. I mean he really he had drank himself right down to the gutter and the whole thing and he started to get his life back together again. And he was just the, he is one of the nicest guys I know in AA. And he, um, he decided that about two and a half years of sobriety, unlike most people in AA who want to go out and start having sex right away and, and plan and partying and all this, he just he, he didn't want anything to do with it. You know, he was so frightened of, of rejection from the opposite sex. And this guy could not date. He could not get out in his life. He could not do that kind of thing because if a woman just said no to him, it would shatter him, 
right? We had him write a belief system inventory. And he got to see all of the reasons that he believed certain things about himself that just were not true. Because what's the truth about the, what's the truth about the four-step inventory? The truth about the four-step inventory is what I'm really looking at is all the crap I believe that's a lie. And I get to start to see how self-centered I really am. Right? How I'm thinking about me. This program takes me from thinking about me and points it back out to you, back out here to the world. Any questions? You guys are all a bunch of inventory writers. This is a good group. Usually I do these things and people are asking all kinds of questions because most people don't write any kind of significant inventory. They just sit down and write an asset or defect, you know, inventory, and I go ballistic. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never written a belief system inventory. I don't really know. Tell me. Well, what questions do I ask myself? Well, you ask yourself, you know, just you look at your life. I mean, what are you angry with? Do you, are you not living up to your own expectations? You know, a woman should be, a, a, you know, a wife should be, a mother should be, a employee should be. Just start looking at stuff like that and see if there's any kind of belief systems that are blocking you from going out and living a good life. I'm done. David Alcohol. Um, it's interesting, you know, you start working with somebody and you want to go through step one with them and they're in your face talking to you. They want to just obsessively take up your time and talk about how sick of an alcoholic they were. Describe themselves as a wino dope fiend, you know, <laughs> as you go through step one and so full of shit. You're not college. <laughs> and then they want to argue with you in two and three about God and relationship with God and then ad infinitum and keep you up till 12 o'clock midnight doing it. And, and now you come to these instructions about launching. And all, and you know, in all this time, you're hearing all about all this obsessive compulsive behavior, and it's tied into all their unmanageability and all. And then you actually get to the action step, and all of a sudden their obsessive compulsiveness goes away. <laughs> and all of a sudden their moderates like they moderate, <laughs> you know. And so uh, it just seems to ne never fail. Um, Hold on one second. There's a girl. Um at the bookstore saying she's looking for a cocaine meeting. Should she be sent over here? Uh, that would be a good start. <laughs> <laughs> Bring her in for an inventory yeah, yeah. meeting. Yeah. I really want to join this group. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Where are you going? Go see what kind of cocaine she's looking for. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so you got these directions of launched and vigorous and, and uh, at once. And it's like, like when the cop says to freeze, like at once, or get in the squad car at once, it's like you know exactly what that means, right? <laughs> And if you don't know, they show you. Right? <laughs> but also, when we come into AA and we have this direction that says at once, and we like, me like, right now? You know? Not like three months from now, take a vacation, because that decision was a pretty big deal, you know? And, uh, and this thing about strenuous effort, um, people that don't do this and hear us talk about it in a meeting or in a workshop, you know, they always want to say, man, just keep it simple, right? Don't mm-hmm. we? Don't people like us hear that a lot? Mm-hmm. Take it easy. Easy does it, you know? And <clears throat> keep it simple. Just because it requires effort doesn't mean it's complex. Okay? It's the effort part. This requires a strenuous effort. If you want to get free, it, this requires strenuous effort. And if you're writing inventory in the manner that might just describe that the book's describing, it's going to be strenuous effort. Okay? And um, some people will take issue with writing why why the self-esteem or how the self-esteem was affected. That, that comes from the people that have been doing it a long time, a lot longer than the people that actually wrote the book. Now, I can tell you why, right off the bat, as someone that listens to a lot of fifth steps, uh, sometimes when they're just putting the term self-esteem or, or, or personal relations or whatever, depending on how long it took them to write the inventory, by the time you actually sit down to fifth step, half the time they can't even remember why they put self-esteem in the first place. So it's really about efficiency in doing your step work, and when you get to five, they actually they can actually tell you <laughs> because they got already got it on paper. It's really as simple as that. Now, what comes from that, obviously, is more information. You know, how, how free do you want to be, right? How free do you want to be? Now, when I look at, when I, when I look at my first column and, and, and my second column as well, I don't work with just the word resentment. Another word that is thrown out there is anger. There's other, three other terms that are thrown out there. It's tied into the uh, third column. But I use it to look at... Uh, who should be in the first column and, and the cause in the second column that is hurt, threatened, interfered with. Because I'm 20, I'm 20 years sober, I don't get resentments anymore, right? Because I'm so spiritually elevated. <laughs> but if you ask me who's interfered with me, my list looks like everybody else's list, <laughs> right? Okay? So I work with some different, some different terms that are presented there in the book. One of the things I like that Mike talked about is that uh, some people write this inventory to know themselves better or to understand themselves better and to see my patterns and, and put labels on how I was feeling and all this other stuff. Look, I am a product of a psychological approach that did not work. I spent eight weeks in a psych- psychiatric ward going through all that. You're not getting that shit by me. Okay? That is not an AA inventory. We already have stories up to this point in the first part of our book of, of guys that understood themselves 
well. They went to the top psychiatrists in the world to understand themselves better. They sat with people that were already sober in the Oxford groups and went over the the, the, pro- the problem and the and the solution and, and, and what made them tick and their triggers, right? What happened to all these people that understood themselves better, that knew themselves so well? Didn't they all relapse? And what did we make a decision to do? Turn on will in will on life for the care of God as we understood him. And what are we doing here? Getting stuff out of the way so we can understand God better. It's not about understanding me better. I understand. We understand ourselves pretty good, and it's written on the back of this thing, right? Narcissistic, egocentric, right? It's it's understanding God that we're having a problem with, right? It's going to God that changes our attitude towards liquor. We're not changing our attitude towards liquor. Right? Um, if you notice, there's nothing in the instructions about writing all the good stuff about yourself. It, it's just not there. Okay? And sometimes people will want to do it anyway. They'll show up for their fist steps and they'll have it in there anyway. And it's such a, and it's, I just saved the joke. I saved the joke until we get to seven. Because when we get to seven, you got to turn it all in anyway, good and the bad. So write, write all that stuff that you want to, because the joke's on you when we get to seven. All right? So can we just follow the directions, right? And um, those are just kind of the um, lady in the back. Uh, I was the first person in my town, a community, to hear and actually take directions from Bob about writing principal inventory. And I didn't know where to look. I listened to it. I heard it. I understood it. I even, I mean, even listening to him, I understood what, what Mike, Mike described, that all my resentments come towards people and institutions come, toward, come from these principles that I live by. And if I can get free of the self-defeating principles, then probably my resentment towards people and institutions are going to reduce, and that's true. I mean, I think most of my inventories now are about 25% people, and the rest is his principles, it seems like. you know. So, so I didn't really know where to look either. And because some of these things are embedded so deep, I, didn't, I couldn't just like reach out and grab it, right? People are easy, institutions are easy. I didn't know where to look. So I just I, I wrote inventory, trusting God, asking God to show me. When I'm when when Mike was writing the third column, self-esteem, personal relations, sex relations, pocketbook, ambitions, security. Those are my ideas. That is the life I'm trying to live by. That's the life I want you to validate. I want you to. I'm trying to get you to validate that. that, uh, um, I want you to see me as I see me, right? I want you to give me what I want, what I need, right? I want you to be the. I want you to be the uh, family member I want you to be. Okay, and I have ideas about that, and so get into self-esteem. I'm the best employee. I know better, and you start. And I start seeing this in every in every person I'm writing about. I know better. I'm the best. I'm 
I'm this, I'm that. And I start... Do I really want to continue to walk around this planet with the idea that I'm better than you? Do I like that? Where is that getting me? And so, so I start seeing that, and that is that those are belief, belief systems. And Bob said, challenge your belief systems. And having written pr pr prior inventory, I know that everything in the third column is a lie. So everything is subject for scrutiny. Analyzing. Analyze. Utilize, don't analyze, right? Yeah, you'll never see that in the book. You'll actually see three steps to talk about analyzing. Two, four, and nine. Okay? So, so when I, once I started to see, right, through writing out self-esteem and all that stuff in the third column, I started seeing my ideas. Um, This review page on page 66, it's, it's a it's realization page, review page, whatever you want to call it, it talks about us trying to have our own way. Right? Is that what it says? But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the, matters got, um, the worse matters got. So where am I going to find me trying to have my own way? I haven't written the fourth column yet. Me trying to have my own way is what I have written in the third column. Make sense? Now, some people will say that the stuff I write in the third column is out of whack and it's what I want to get back. Like, my self-esteem is out of whack and I want to get that back. My ambitions are out of whack and I want to get that back. I don't, I don't see it that way and I don't think that's what the book's saying. Um, self-esteem, right? It's an over-high opinion of, my, of how I see myself, usually. Okay? Have you ever considered how maybe uh, God wants me to see me? With ambitions. What I think I want. Have you ever considered what God wants? I don't want. I don't want back what I want. Right? I don't want. I don't care how. I don't care how nice it looks once I'm supposedly spiritually fit. I'm not. I don't inter because it's still what I want. <clears throat> Have I ever considered what God wants? Have I ever asked? And if I asked, did I listen for an answer? And I got an answer. Did I follow through? Same thing with security. What I think I need. Why would I want to continue to live on a basis of what I think I need? God knows what I need before I even ask. I just need to ask. Have I bothered? Have I bothered to listen? Same thing, right? What do I need? Um, personal and sex relations. Later on, we're going to get a right ideal, right? So, uh, maybe, maybe it's not necessarily just getting it back to some sort of normalcy whatever that is okay it's really about what's god want there what's god, how does god want what's god's idea about my self esteem about ambitions and security and so forth okay this me trying to have my own way it's the resentment is born out of a conflict you and i are having a conflict with with me not getting my own way Okay. 
one of the things I started doing in the second column, actually, is ask is asking myself, what's the conflict? What's the belief system I have behind, like like with Mr. Brown or something? Right? He's asking. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Brown is attention to my wife. That's wrong. No, no doubt about that. Right. But why am I so wrapped up about that? Nobody pays attention to my wife like that. Right? Nobody looks at another married woman like that. And he's and Mr. Brown has now come in conflict with that belief system. Okay? Um Down below on page 66 in this realization, second to last paragraph, it says, we turn back to the list for it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us in that state. The wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. So at the top of this, I'm trying to have my own way, right? I'm fighting with you about that. And at the bottom of this, I'm actually handing over the power for you to play God in my life, right? So I can get my own way, right? I play God by making you God in my life. And this is where murders happen. Because when you don't fulfill that, and I have actually given you that power, right? And it doesn't, and you do not provide and validate who I think I am and how I think this relationship should be. You are threatening my life. You are threatening my life. And if that goes away and I am empty enough, there's going to be retribution, right? There's going to be payback. There's going to be retaliation. We're going to step on the toes of our fellows. Okay? Because you have threat, You have made a life-death threat to me. Because I've given you so much power. I've given... I have so much wrapped up in what I believe about myself and how life should be. My ideas. Alpha and the Omega. You, you, and you just stepped on it. You didn't validate it. Okay? Um... Anything else? Yeah. Okay. Now, we've pretty well covered resentment or inventory. There's two more parts to inventory. And there's also really actually a pretty cool prayer here about how to treat people that have wronged us, right? Um, at the end of the inventory here in the book, it says, this was our course. We realized, this is 66 at the very bottom, we realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. Have you ever noticed how much more tolerance you get of other people after you fifth-stepped? <laughs> because you start to see that you're not Mr. Miss Perfect like you thought you were, right? So it's, it, it gives me this prayer here that if I'm really pissed off at somebody, and I've actually used this quite a bit, 
It says that we ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that they would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man, how can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry, thy will be done. See, Alcoholics Anonymous is really an interesting thing. Most people see a problem or have a problem, they attack it. Those of us in Alcoholics Anonymous do it somewhat differently. We have a problem, we go to God, then we have to go this way. That's the difference. That's where the whole difference comes in. Now, there's two other parts that we haven't talked about, fear and sex inventory. Um, who wants to tell us how they write fear inventory? Anybody? I have a question for Yeah, everyone. sure. About belief systems. Um, somebody, somebody defined principles as self-defeating belief systems. But what about, like, I have beliefs, and they might not necessarily be bad. How, do you write those down too? I personally don't write those down. The ones that are working for me, I don't write down. Do you know they're working? I do. I mean, do you? how do you know they're, like, what if I think they're working and they're not working? What if, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, if in self, what if in self-esteem I write, I am a child of God? Would you challenge that? No, but I would challenge that. No, smart, why not? You know? But in the third column, it's a lie. <laughs> in the third column, it's a lie. There's something defective about that. Mm -hmm. Well, we could, you know, I've written down many belief systems. I mean, even if if, if I have no resentment, I totally understand what he was saying. That really makes me weird. Uh, uh, I've written down many belief systems that I'm not resentful at or something's still working for me. I have done that just to look at how I operate. Doesn't hurt. And to get another perspective. Right. Because I've learned in working with a sponsor. I mean, if I hadn't written everything down, like I would have been like slapped awake, like, holy shit. I never saw that. Because I had thought, you know, like I'm a child of God and I never thought of it from any other angle. Right. If we go back to the third step requirement where it says any life run on self will can hardly be a success. I always use that as I'm rolling into this inventory because that's what's driving my resentments. The faces that show up don't matter. You know, I have a belief that says I have to defend my need to be right. It's a principle that I live by, this idea that I have to defend being right. So it's a self-defeating principle. I look at principle as any idea or belief that I live by because that's a principle for me. Um, I can't take risks professionally because I will fail. So what's that do? It shows up for me at work. And somebody does something that brings that to the surface at work, you best believe they're going to show up in my resentment inventory. Uh, that's just the way I have found effective to roll into it. That's good. Anything else before we move on to fear inventory? Anybody want to say, tell me how they have written fear inventory? God can't or God won't. Well, how do you write it? How do you write fear inventory? I've used a little big book uh, awakening deal from out west. It's got a little column set up for you. 
you write down a figure in the SF why you have it and you write that one down in the SF why you have it and it just kind of goes back to because I don't have trust in God? Right. Well, the big book says that, that I have my fears. Why? Because self-reliance has failed me, right? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem, right? Um, do you write your fears that you found in your fourth column? Do you write them over again? That's in the fear get, inventory. That's where I get the fears for my inventory out of. Right. What about other fears? Well, if they come up, I put those in there, too. And now you usually run them through columns like that. So do I. I write them in the same format as I did the columns. I write all my fears out that way so I can really take a good look. Now, I've had certain fears that I didn't write on the columns. I'll, I'll tell you a good one. Fear of dentists. I, had a, I have a horrible fear of going to the dentist because I've already bought my dentist a Mercedes-Benz. And, uh, you know, uh, root canals, I mean, uh, I'll put it off till the very end. So I didn't write that out, but most of my fears I do write out in the columns. I really do. I'll tell you another thing I did one time, and I've only done this one time, but I really sort of liked it, was you basically just follow the fear down. So what you would do is you would write out, I'm afraid of dentists, and then you just keep, going with what you're afraid of because you're afraid of dentists. I'm afraid of dentists. I'm afraid of pain. I'm afraid of looking bad. I'm afraid my dentist is going to think I'm weak. I'm afraid his secretary is going to look at me like I'm some kind of a, mm-hmm, you know, and, and write the fear all the way down and then write out why do you have the fear? How did self-reliance fail me? So I've done it that way, too. I've done it both ways. How do you do it? I do that. Um... Before I transfer from everything from the resentment inventory, I actually ask God to show me fears first because I don't want my initial list to skew that. So I actually, I actually will ask God to show me fears, and then I transfer over uh, fears from the fourth column, um, excluding any duplicates. So I, so I just kind of gleam it a little bit. Uh, then I ask myself, uh, ask God to show me um, why I have the fear. And a lot of times I will do it, you two are talking about the same thing. It's just a different format, different direction of writing it. The, spiral, the spiraling uh, fear. Why do I have the fear? Why do I have the fear? Why do I have the fear? Um, then when it comes to the question, uh, wasn't because self-reliance failed. Something that somebody gave to me was, uh, do you, what form of self-reliance failed? Because one of the, the one that it gives us is self-confidence, Correct. Self self confidence was far was good as far as it went, but it didn't help. Right, mm-hmm. which was really kind of it's really a good example because I think most of us were at least told that self confidence will get you through life, right? And that's a really good form of self reliance. So is self discipline and all that other stuff, right? Self sufficiency, and um, so I, I was asked to go look at look in the book and pull, drudge up all the uh, different forms of self. Self-sufficiency, self-importance, self-will, self-this, self-this, self-seeking, whatever. And and to look at what forms of self was I relying on that failed. And not one of them ever overcame the fear problem and brought me back to this, yes, self-reliance failed. And it, what that did, I, mean, I only had to do it one time for it to really sink in, and that is there really is no form of self-reliance that's worth a shit. <laughs> And it really got to the next statement. 
about our basis of life, right? It gave it teeth. Okay? This thing about... Uh, Perhaps there's a better way. We think so, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role He assigns. Just to think that we do as we think, He would have us, and humbly rely on Him. Does He enable us to match calamity or serenity? So, when I see how there is really no form of self-reliance that overcomes fear, this makes it... Re- gives it teeth, sinks in. Okay? It's like I've said about the, the entire book. I've said this a million times that um, it's, it's just black ink on white paper until it's me. And when it becomes me, it becomes invaluable. Right? It talks about faith means courage. And, and um, one of the exercises I was given also to look on another, on another column um, was to see where I lack faith that drove me to the fear in the first place. Where I lack faith in God. Um, I got that from Don C. Um, and then the last thing that I do, I always do it, is I get down to these core fears after we do these spiraling fears, which are usually four, five, six, ten sometimes. Um, and I'll do the prayer on each one. God made my fear of being unlovable. What would you have me be? And write that out. God, remove my fear of you don't give a shit. <laughs> what would you have me be? Remove my fear of not being good enough, fear of pain. Whatever it might, whatever those core fears end up being, um, I'll ask that and, and trust what comes off my pen. And what that becomes is this, this, this uh, uh, something I can use in 11 step as far as what does God want me, want me to be going forward. Uh, yeah, vision work. That's right. Uh, that's that's. Big. I don't always do that every time, but uh, just to share some exoticness of what you can do <laughs> with the four steps. That's you know all this stuff is really good, but I got to tell you what the hardest part of writing inventory really is. Writing inventory. Yeah. <laughs> that's the hardest part. Is to sit down. Be by yourself, review your first three steps, and start writing inventory. That's the hardest part. How many of you have ever started an inventory and then just started to balk and then just never quit and finished it? You know? Once you lose the momentum. And the third part of, of inventory is a sex inventory. And um, I can always tell the maturity of a group whenever I chair a meeting on sex inventory. Mm-hmm. Uh, because really all sex inventory is is conduct inventory. It's not about positions. Uh, it's not about really anything sexual. It's about it's about my conduct and who I really am. And I got to tell you, my first time through the steps, my very first in, fifth step, and we'll get into this in in the next session, but. My first fifth step was actually more of a confessional kind of fifth step because I had done so many things that my first fifth step was just telling another human being all the shit I've done. Okay. Um, I didn't really get into writing this kind of heavy inventory, heavier inventory until my second time through. And then I did. And then I really started to see how I operated. And I got to tell you, 
I saw my selfishness, self-centeredness clearer in the sex inventory than any place else in the, in the inventory. I really saw it. I really saw how I do and operate when I want something from you, right? So anybody who has not written a sex inventory, here's the deal. We go to page 69 in the book. That's always the standard joke, right? And it says in that second paragraph, we reviewed our conduct over the years past. So I list the people that I've had sex with. I also list people that maybe I haven't had sex with them, but there's a lot of flirtation going on or something of that sort. If there's anything that's going on there, um, I have my guys list if they're hooked on porn. I have, because if you don't bring it out here, it's it, you're, you're going to end up drinking. All right? And trust me, um, we've all heard it. We've, most of us have all done it. So nobody's really done anything that somebody else hasn't, right? So there's really no reason to be uptight about this. Um, Actually, my first fifth step, I told Frank everything. I, I ran strip clubs in San Francisco. Come on, guys. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you didn't do it, you know. Anyway, um, I'm not going to bring it out here. I was going to say something, and then I retracted. But uh, <laughs> running backward here real quick. But, but my stuff that I wanted to take it to the grave wasn't in the sexual arena. It was in the criminal. It was in the, that arena. Okay. Um, so the sex conduct. I have people write on everything because you can't hide nothing. You know, you've heard, nay, it's a trite saying, you're as sick as your secrets and all this and all that. What I've really come to find out is you're not going to live long or happily unless you've told someone else all your life story. And that's all of it. And if I'm hiding something from the guy that I'm fifth-stepping with or the woman, I have fifth-stepped a lot with women. Uh, my sponsor's wife and I became very dear friends and I fifth up with Jenny many times. She fifth up with me many times. I do not take brand new women through the steps. I think they need to go to a woman. I really do. Uh, in the last two years, I have a lot of people I take through the work. Uh, I did take a gay lady through the work. Um, she's brand new. But I will take women through the steps after they've been sober for quite some time. And, and we all know what the page is. And if you're a guy taking people, women, through this, and this is a personal side note, if you're a man taking women through the work in order to get laid, then you're one sick son of a bitch. Don't use my program like that. I take this shit really personally and very seriously. I really do. You're going to die behind that kind of stuff. And same thing with women. Women have done it too. You know, nobody's immune to this stuff. So, anyway, enough of my commentary. I didn't even have Skittles. Um, all right. We reviewed our conduct over the years past. And these are tough questions to ask. Where had we been selfish? I asked God, where was I selfish with this girl here? Or where was I, you know, whatever. Dishonest. Where was I dishonest? A lot of times my dishonesty now comes from omission, not from actually lying to you. 
It's just like not saying something, right? So where was I dishonest in this deal? Or inconsiderate. That's a good one. Right? I realize, too, like, like some others that are friends of mine, that that's the way I lived my sex life right there when I was drinking. Selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate. Those were my attributes. <laughs> All right? Whom had we hurt? And sometimes I've had to put me under that. All right? I go there, too. Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? And I list it down. Anybody in here ever try to get somebody jealous? Yeah. Absolutely. Where were we at fault? And it says we, doesn't it? It doesn't say I. Where were you at fault? And then this is a great question in here. It's called, what should we have done instead? And I personally use this in my fourth column in my resentment inventory. There's a couple things I forgot to put up here. One thing in my fourth column I do do is I always put, is it true? In my fourth column. I also use that on my fear inventory. Yeah. Yeah. On the last column. Yeah. I put, is it true? Because I have come to find out in resentment inventory that so much of what I think you did to me, you never did. <laughs> See, I think the world evolves around me, right? When really and truthfully, most of the time, it has nothing to do with me whatsoever. When Bob and I ten-step all the time, that's usually what we say to each other. I, I really don't think they were even thinking about you, Bob. Sorry. <laughs> or, hey, Mike, I, I don't see that this has anything to do with you whatsoever. You know, and it's absolutely right. Uh, so then we got all this down on paper. I also do this. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our ideals and to help us to live up to them. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. We must... Be willing to make amends where we have done harm, provided that we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answers come if you want it. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with other persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. This was written in the Freud time. Alcoholics Anonymous has no judgment on sex whatsoever. They don't care if you're gay, straight, asexual. They don't care any anything. I sponsored a guy for 20 years, and him and his wife were swingers. And they'd go out to clubs and have sex with different people all night long, and it worked for them. I have no judgment whatsoever. And I never take a judgment call with anybody that ever fist ups with me. I won't do it. 
I just won't do it. I'm not there to be the arbitrator of anyone's sexual conduct. And guess what? You're not the arbitrator of mine either. In AA, we love to gossip, don't we? <laughs> we just love it, right? I'm going to tell you who you got to look at. you got to look at yourself. What kind of a man do I really want to be? Well, you know what? The guy that came in the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous, in my case, was a slimeball. He was not a good man. Today I am a good man. You can trust me. And that means a lot to me. Why do I do it? If I'm in a I'm not now, but if I am in a committed relationship, you want to know why I stay committed to that woman? Not because, um, not because maybe somebody else doesn't attract me. It's because my word needs to be good, period. I'm going to hurt me if I go out and break my, break my promises, right? So that's the inventory as far as I'm concerned. Do you have anything else you want to add? Just this last thing on uh, 71, it says, We hope you're, you're convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from, which is making good on the initial proposition that this whole thing is about... Uh, um, I don't want to butcher it. Um, strenuous effort to face and be rid of things in, which, uh, in ourselves which were blocking us. And so I, I ask the people that I'm sponsoring when they are pretty sure they got everything down, are you convinced of that? Um, the first indicator is that I wrote it. If I was not, if I was still blocked, I wouldn't have been able to write it in the first place. Um, and when you're left with all this resentment, selfishness, dishonesty, and fear, and all this stuff on paper that that the book says will kill you, destroys more alcoholics than anything else. And you had the and you had the power to write it. You didn't drink. You didn't take anybody out, and you didn't take yourself out. You have to start considering if that is true. That if that are am I now convinced that God can remove whatever self will has blocked me off from Him? If I was still blocked, I couldn't have written the written the written the uh, written the inventory. The fourth step is the first action to me it, that is contrary to how I've always lived my wife live my life and, and uh, against my will. It, that is not how I ever operated in my life. And so for me to be able to do that takes some power. Okay? My belief is that we're never blocked. We can, we can play God and think we're blocked. But by all rights, when I'm done with an inventory, I ought to be drunk. I ought to be dead. I ought to be crazy in a loony bin. Something like that. But that is not where I'm at. I'm finished, and I'm moving on to a step five. And this has to convince me. If you're a person like me who suffer from a spiritual malady and alcoholism, I have, that has to convince me that uh, God had, can remove whatever has blocked me off from Him. And then don't forget that it still qualifies this step as a beginning step. So much emphasis is put on this fourth step. You're still only a third of the way through. <laughs> and it's considered a beginning step. Okay? I never, almost every uh, workshop I, I've ever done or big book study, long term big book study I've done for a group, you know, they always want to jump to the meat. Let's get to the meat of the program. And you know what it's always about? Four and nine. Right? To me, the most important part of the book that, that there is is the one you're at, is the part you're at. There is no more important part than another. 
You know, it's a it's a set of swing set instructions. You put A to B to C to D, and you get a swing set. Okay. Well, and then what's the book tell you to do? Do it again. <laughs> tear it down. Tear it down. Tear it down. Tear it down. Build, build another one. <laughs> so anyway, that's all I got. We're done. Right, oh wait, we have a question back there. I'm um, sorry, Dave. So in light of what you said before, like when um, you know um, when a cop says do it and you do it, and you know the law says you know we jump, then you know when fear or I can't think of anything else, but when fear blocks me from doing something or saying something. Um, then how how do I reconcile that with not being blocked? I'm still blocked if I can't do it. I don't have the power. It's somewhere in the previous steps. There, the, the first thing it says, though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. And if I'm not at once, not launching, maybe I don't want a permanent effect. Maybe I just want to feel a little better. Maybe I have a lurking notion or reservation about being immune to alcohol later, immune to drinking later. Maybe I really don't want a permanent effect, or maybe I'm still maybe I'm still in a fearless place because this is a fearless and thorough moral inventory. So maybe I'm really still afraid of this God I just turned my will and my life over to, because I'm really not sure what I considered about my conception of God. Now, I'm really not sure about that. That's why in the very beginning when we start, talked about step one, that this this is not a fear-based program. And the book is very clear, going from two forward, about coming to each step from a fearless position. I'm saying, how can you possibly do that? It has to be set up in one. And then it has to be a willingness to move from grace to conscious contact from two forward. And if that's not established by the time you get to four, and, I, and, and that hasn't happened, I wouldn't do it either. I was terrified to write my first inventory, the first number one on the hit parade, God. And because of my old belief systems about God, well, I knew that as soon as I wrote, the, wrote that name down, I was going to lightning was going to come right through the ceiling. <laughs> At least I wouldn't have to write the fourth step. I'd be done. <laughs> Toast. <laughs> but that's not what happened. That name gave me the power to write the next name. And I think I was about five names into it, and I realized, I got this thing. I can do it. It's not. This is not what I thought it was at all. Nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, um, so I, I have an issue with the uh, fourth step because, uh, say, in, in business life, someone is not paying you the ten thousand dollars they owe you, and you've got to do you've got to do immoral things to uh, get that money. In the end, is that? I mean, can I sleep at night? With that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in your skin. I'm not in your skin. So, I, uh, guy owed me money because he didn't pay me. And I sued him for the money. And I had to make amends to him because I sued him because of my ego, not because of It had nothing to do with the money. If that money's bothering me personally, it's all about my ego and my pride. 
and I feel like I should be treated a certain way. It has nothing to do with money. But what if you want the money? <laughs> there are legal ways to give. That's right. See, that's the difference. I mean, I literally come from a background where I knew some really bad people that really enjoyed going out there and collecting money for a percentage. I mean, I can't. I was one of them that used to do that. Right? I, I, I don't want to live my life like that anymore. I go to court. I had one uh, pretty similar. I loaned out a uh, preacher a small amount of money where they can take care of some financial stuff and um, set a contract within 90 days and you beat around the bush with it. And here's the thing, that not only is he a pastor, but he is a captain at a sheriff's department. Oh, and, uh, dope. Yeah, and so I'm having trouble getting my money, you know, from and I found myself getting really resentful. And then I, I kind of got mad at religion all over again, you know, because I was like, that's why I don't go to church. <laughs> People like that, that will and it made me really sick. And um, little did I know that the man was in the hospital and had been cut open and got some scar tissue from cancer. I thought he was avoiding it. I felt terrible. And, uh, you know, it's funny how that works out. And I'm just like, whatever you can pay, you know, just. <laughs> but I went crazy with it. I, like, it. It just drove me nuts. But now it's just like, I was like, oh my God, I feel, I feel self centered. Like, you know, whenever you got the money, just pay. Yeah. I know I've been a, a, a victim of, uh, I think my life has compartments, right? I owe a bunch of people money over here. Then somebody owes, ends up owing me money over here, and I don't see a direct connection to that. Right. It's definitely related. The big book, I think, believes in karma. It, it, it says that invariably, if I take the time to look in the past, I'm going to find that at some point, I made a decision based on me that's placed me in a position to be hurt. Because if it is their fault, then the next statement of hope doesn't exist. And my troubles of his making, he owes me $10,000. It's not true. It's all connected. Even if it's not connected in this incident, it's somewhere else. I guarantee it, if you take the time to look, you probably owe some money out there. Yeah. You see, his example is perfect. I mean, how it goes from this pastor owes me money the heck with the church. Then it, can, it takes off and it spirals. Then he's making decisions based on that, right? And it affects everyone around him when the guy's laying in a hospital bed. I mean, that's the way my head works. Same thing. Does it all the time. And it's my experience that, just like Terry was saying, that at some point the pastor made a decision based on self that put me in a position to get hurt. Is that I may have gone into business with this guy thinking, oh, I have an opportunity to make some quick money off of this guy, and the guy screws me. Well, it's my fault, because I got into business with a guy that probably wasn't morally correct. And so I have to look at my judgment. Why did I do that? What was, what was the reason I got into it? Was I just trying to better myself? And so it's, it's always my fault, anything I do, period, from that position, because I, I have an opportunity to not put myself into every relationship that I'm in. So, drive for next time, making that fun. <laughs> <laughs> Lady over there? Uh, there's a uh, reading in the Daily Reflections on Valentine's Day. It says, uh, 
that we have the right to expect decent treatment from other people, but the problem comes when we start to demand it. Um, and in my four steps, there are some resentments I have that are, uh, you know, I played a very little role in them besides the fact that I cannot let them go, besides the fact that it eats my lunch all the time. Um, but that's something that I do. When I cannot let it go, it's like an action that I'm having. Like I'm rehashing this thing over and over again. And uh, that paragraph about uh, forgiving others and considering them spiritually sick really helps me with that because, you know, if you lost $10,000, you can look at, like, what you did, possibly what you did, and if you didn't do anything, look at what you can do to let it go, um, you know, and, you know, pray for them. That was hard for me to swallow because I was like, who pray for someone that really did you wrong? You know, that sounds like something saints would do and not something that normal people do, but... Uh, when I have done that, and I did that only because I was really, really hurting, and old timer suggested to me that I should pray for the people that hurt me like that, uh, it really transformed uh, my recovery. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, your hand. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I've lost so much money to people in alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I learned a long time ago if you're going to give somebody some money, don't expect it back. I learned through the inventory process that they just talked about. If somebody owes me money. Whose fault is it? <laughs> Whose fault is it they owe me money? Do I have anything written down contractually? Do I have anything written on a piece of paper? Well, no, but they're screwing me. No, whose fault is it? Really? I gave them the money, and I didn't do anything about it. I freely just give it away. And you're not going to go to court and collect it unless you've got something that says they owe you. Well, I do. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty, you guys did a great job on the inventory. Exactly. Uh, I do the same thing with money. I don't care what it is. Sit down, do four columns, it it comes out. Real quick, I was going through a uh, a two-year custody battle that got ugly and then Sancho came in about halfway through and uh, who would end up being her her husband and was aggravating the situation and um, at least I felt he was aggravating the situation <laughs> and so I've got uh, the Marquez's I, we're, we're, my cousins and stuff are, are fourth generation East LA gangbangers they still they still bang I'm not part I, I my dad took us out of there so at a young age but I still visit. I go in. I go in the hood, and it's all good. <laughs> I walk without fear. I don't have any problems. So, uh, I was telling them about it and everything, and, and they they just looked at me and they go, "You want us to go take care of it?" And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "There's part that says yes. Then there's a part. What do you mean? I mean, I'm, there's take care of or handle. There's different terminology." <laughs> and I'm like, "Just, just." Just give them a, a a hint, and I'm like, no, we're not there yet. We're not there at uh, going by his place and giving him some hints. But there was a part of me that sounded that's, that sound, that sounded like a really good idea. You know, I was like. <laughs> 
let's hold off on that for a second. <laughs> but they're really excited about going over and straightening it out, you know. You get to be, you get to actually really change here, and we're going to shut it down. But you get to become, you get to start to choose who you really want to be in this deal. There's some real power here, and I'm going to tell you about that. And it's not just about writing a perfect inventory. It's just about getting it done and fished up, and we'll get into the rest of the next couple sessions. All right. Due to me being sick last week and then traveling on the weekend, this is a shortened version of the recovery show. We'll be back next week with all of the features we usually have, including our lives in recovery and your email or voicemail. Thank you for listening today. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Eva did. And thank you again, Eva, for your contribution. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem we are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.